You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. In this special episode, we go behind the scenes and speak to Dan Fuller, creator and host of the show, to find out all the inner workings you've been dying to know about. In case you're wondering who the random is that's hijacked the hosting from Dan, my name is Scott Smith. I was interviewed by Dan in episode 110 about maintaining heritage formal gardens and also episode 115, Apple and Pear Pruning Guide. Dan, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Scott. How you going, mate? I bet that feels weird to have that said to you, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but I always get so much more nervous as the guest than the host. Oh, the worm has turned, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll kick off. Um, Dan, what inspired you to start the Plants Grow Here podcast? Where did it all begin? Okay, I don't know where to start with that because I can go right back. But I guess I got into horticulture and I didn't know what my pathway was. I knew that I didn't want to be in management and I knew I didn't want to be a business owner. I just didn't feel like those two pathways were for me. I think that they're great pathways for other people. I just don't think that that's my skill set. So I think my wife and I, who've been together for 13 years this year, um, we just did a lot of dreaming, a lot of late nights, staying up, talking about our path. And we built my wife an online business together and it sustains her and it sustains me a little bit too, because to be honest, the podcast doesn't make that much money yet. Mm -hmm. And I guess we just talked a lot at night and we used to go around cafes and sort of just talk about what we, what we wanted from life. I think as a lot of couples do, as we were talking, I remember one particular tree that we were sitting under near my favorite cafe. um, One of my favorite cafes anyway, in, in Melbourne on the Yarra river there, it's called canteen with a K. And, you know, I just, um, I wanted to, so I listen to a lot of podcasts as a gardener. So I would always have the headphones in at work and constantly listening to stuff. And I, I, I always thought there's something missing from this market here. Lots of people are talking about the people, but no one's talking about the, the, the work itself in Australia. So I wanted to create an Australian based horticultural podcast where we only talk about the work, not the worker. As much as I'm interested in hearing about the workers themselves, I was really more interested in hearing about how to do things, how to plant a tree correctly, how to prune correctly, plant biology, all that sort of stuff. Because I think as a gardener, all those things were really relevant to me, like every day, probably more relevant than people's stories in a way. Um, So yeah, that's really what I wanted to create. I saw a gap in the market. So that's, and I guess I just made it without any thought of um, getting anything back from that. I didn't think I was going to make any money out of it. I mean, I was hoping, I guess if I wanted to get anything out of it, it was an audience because I think in this day and age, if you have an audience of people who are listening to what you're saying, that's probably a good thing for your career in the long run. But I had no illusions that a podcast was a way to make money. That's for damn sure. How do you select your guests for the show? Are you standing in Flagstaff Garden shouting at randoms to come on or is there, <laughs> uh, is there more of a process to it than that? I don't know if there is a process. I don't know if it is any different to that. If someone catches my eye, I reach out to them. Sometimes other people reach out to me first too. Um, I find that when someone reaches out to me, they'll usually be on multiple podcasts because I'm not the only podcast that they're reaching out to. But usually because I write down the questions beforehand, and I guess we'll probably talk about that too, 
I can usually get a unique episode out of a guest because it's not what they're used to talking about. It's what I want to ask them about. So we'll try and cover a, a unique topic from that guest's perspective. Uh, where, how do I find guests? Social media, newspapers, uh, reading an article. It could be anything. It could be a friend of a friend. Honestly, it could be anything. I'm just always on the hunt for that next new guest. And it's always revolving around a topic as well. So it's not just a guest's personal life story. It's can I fit that guest into a topic? Does that guest know enough about that topic to teach my audience? So really, you could say I pick people with a strong personal brand a lot of the time. Yeah, it's interesting. So how long does it take you to make and put out an episode from start to finish? Talk us through the whole process, mate. Okay, so... Let's just say right now we're recording through a program called Zencaster. So this will probably take us, usually takes about an hour, depending on the uh, guest and the topic. I mean, I'm guessing you've probably seen the lengths of my episodes. They do vary a lot from 20 minutes to 90 minutes. So it's not like there's a particular like length that I'm going for. So that could take as, as long as it takes. Then once I've recorded the episode, usually I'll like to bulk edit episodes together in a batch, but that doesn't always happen. Uh, It does save time when I can edit sort of one after the other throughout a whole day and then knock four out. But sometimes it's just editing that one for this week. So I used to say it would take three hours to edit one hour of audio. I think I'm down to probably an hour and a half to two hours, depending on the episode. Sometimes they do take a lot longer if there's more editing that needs doing, but I tend to edit a lot less these days. I tend to just leave the a lot of the breaths and a lot of the, just a lot of the conversation in. I don't really remove as much as I used to. I used to think that people didn't want to hear any of that stuff, but now I think it sounds more natural when you leave a lot of it in. And then I guess you've got, after the editing, I mean, you've got to record the intro and the outro, and that's probably another half an hour. I mean, it it takes longer than you think. You've also got to write down the intro and the outro and sort of think about things I mean, before I even record, I also have to write down the questions, so that can take anywhere. I mean, it's not like I sit down for hours and do that, but that might just be something that's constantly evolving over a couple of weeks. I'm constantly adding new questions to it, or maybe sometimes, I mean, uh, I've had times before where it's just sort of writing up the questions one day before, or even just a few hours before I record the episode, sometimes when I'm running a little bit behind. But I mean, I guess usually that's probably, an episode can take, anywhere up to three weeks plus or yeah it can take one week or it can just be done in a few hours it really just depends it's not like I have a set schedule of how long it takes me Hmm. that's interesting so the lovely podcast you have created plants grow here is in the top 2.5 percent of podcasts worldwide according to listening notes (laughs) so that is major what do you think you've done right as a creator to achieve that amazing feat why is it more successful than any other gardening podcast? Oh, I think there are a lot more successful gardening podcasts out there. Um, I think, okay, so here's how I set myself up for failure in a way, because I went for a very, well, not a very strong niche, but I went for a niche. So I went for the industry rather than home gardeners. I think home gardening podcasts probably have a better chance at reaching more people because it's less specific. And I think it's sort of for the wider public, whereas what I'm doing isn't for the wider public. I think most people would hit this and then just bounce straight off it, <laughs> go to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what what did I do right? Maybe just consistency. I thought a lot about 
the format before I launched it as well. I wanted to create a certain type of a product for a certain type of a person. And as someone who's enthusiastic about branding, I think that that's really important. You have to know who you're making it for. Because if you sort of start wavering off that path, I, I mean, I throw out experimental episodes here and there. I did a witchcraft episode a while ago. It was a, <laughs> a Royal Botanic Garden Sydney podcast with Vanessa Fuchs for the Branch Out podcast. And um, I just featured that of their podcast. But sometimes I like to throw out like a bit of a cheeky episode just to challenge people and stuff like that. But I'm always back on the road again of the the format that I've chosen and the audience that I've chosen to serve. I think this one will definitely uh, fall under that category. Yeah. <laughs> this is a yellow submarine episode. like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I should do like an electrical, um, <laughs> electrical engineering or something as well, maybe. But <laughs> a synthesizer opening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess, yeah, maybe if I've done anything right, it's probably just consistently showing up every week, just showing the same sort of content every week, making it for the same sort of person. Yeah, I think I think I don't think there's anything like Plants Grow Here out there. I mean, I wanted to. This is the podcast I wanted to listen to, so I I made it because no one else wanted to make it. So um, maybe that's as well what what I've done right is I've created something unique. Yeah, for me that for me personally, when I, when I listen, it's that consistency. It's almost like you know a good sitcom. It's it's got that repetition but differency. So you tune in, mm. you get that familiarity, you get that comfort blanket sort of feeling, but you're still learning and doing something new each time. Yeah, have you ever heard the term "jump the shark"? What the fawns? Yeah, <laughs> so when a, when a sitcom's old and tired and it's finished and it's done, then you have a character jump the shark just to try and try and bring a bit of excitement back into the episode. So when I start jumping the shark, can you tell me? <laughs> so when you run out of decent podcast guests and you get one of your guests to come on and host for you instead, <laughs> oh, no. class, does it? <laughs> <Is> that <happening? laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, actually, I've always wanted to have guest hosts. Like when I first started, I always thought that I wanted this podcast to be much bigger than me. I never really wanted to be the only host. Like I don't want to be famous. I want to make something that people use. So eventually I hope that Plants Grow Here has a lot of different hosts and has a different voiceover that's not me and I'm just one of the guest hosts and probably helping run it from the top and maybe being more of an editor in a magazine, I guess that role, like a producer, I suppose. Mm, that's very uh, meta, isn't it? That's, that's cool. <laughs> One day. <laughs> well, keep pushing, man. Keep pushing. <laughs> so, Dan, what has been the most downloaded or most popular episode and why do you think that is? Okay, really good question. So it's episode two, Intro to Soil Science. It pretty much flogs everything else. And I think that's down for a couple of reasons. Now, more recent episodes get downloaded more from Apple. So that's usually Apple Podcasts plus Apple Unknown Apps. Older episodes, though, can have more Spotify listens. Usually then Spotify never catches up to Apple, but sometimes it does. Now, I think that that's because for some reason, Apple Podcasts just take off. People who have that app just listen to the episode more quickly than people with Spotify but for whatever reason, Spotify seems to be better on the on the long run, on the slow burn. So episode two is basically two-thirds Spotify, which is unheard for me. 
So I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Spotify links are really easily shareable. So people are probably sharing that episode. Another reason is that sometimes, depending on, I don't know what it depends on, but sometimes Spotify will uh, prefer the oldest episode first and sometimes it'll prefer the newest episode first. So when you're scrolling through Spotify, if you're on the newest first, it's always going to be a different episode. Whereas when you mm-hmm. when you browse by oldest first, there's always the same few episodes that are going to be at the top. So I noticed in the first five episodes, they do have a lot more downloads than the next sort of five after that. And then they have more than the five after that. And then it sort of slumps down in the middle a little bit. And then the newer episodes get a lot more. But even the old episodes still get listened to every day. Like a, a couple of people will listen to the least popular episode every single day, um, which is cool. But yeah, I think also the thing about the Soil Science episode is it's a really fundamental topic and I think Dr. Samantha Grover really covered it well. So also I covered it based off my like my own TAFE, my own studies. So I created all the questions based off of my unit. So I knew that people would find it useful. I've heard that people use it in training as well. So to train staff and students and stuff like that. So I'm guessing a fair few downloads come from training. I mean, how brilliant is that? that an episode you've created on your podcast is used for training people. I know. It's like a really, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like, it makes me feel really good, like in a deep way, but it, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever gotten what you want, but it doesn't make you happy for long. So you, <laughs> I just have to keep building. But yeah, it does make you feel good. <laughs> I mean, I'm a gardener, so I pretty much spend my life looking at something and going, right, next problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, maybe one day it'll be finished, but probably not. <laughs> Maybe about five minutes a year that I can go, yeah, yep, I'm happy. Yeah, yes. Yep. Yep. That's right. Well, a podcast is different. Actually, there's kind of, it kind of is cool to look back on your back catalog and for that to still exist. Like when I was gardening, if I stopped working, that garden would just go back to nature. <laughs> so, but mm-hmm. with the podcast, all I have to do is keep paying my RSS host to keep pushing it out. And as long as I keep paying that, it will be evergreen content available for anybody to see, even if I quit and I stop making new episodes, which is kind of cool. That's different to gardening. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dan, what is your personal favorite episode you've ever recorded and why? Okay, let me just check the number. You mean you don't know them off by heart? I don't know. 115, 117 episodes I am now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the musical plants one. Bear with me. I mean, if a guy's got a geranium to play the piano, then I'm going to be blown away. You will be. No, seriously. I'm not even joking. It It's insane. <laughs> so my favorite has to be episode 53, Plant Electromagnetic Output as Music with Tom Wall. So I'm guessing you haven't listened to that one yet, have you? Uh, no, I'm, I'm working my way back down the catalog. So I haven't got to that one yet, but I'm looking forward to it now. Oh, mate. It's insane. So I did a second episode with him as well. So you'll probably hear that one first if you're making your way down. But basically this guy, he's a musician, a guitarist in a band called Cosmic Knot. It's his band and he sings as well. But what really amazes me is that he's got this device, right? So it's not his device, but he uses it. It's called the Music of the Plants device, I think. So what you do is you plug an electrode into the soil, into the root zone, and then you clip an electrode onto the leaf. Now. You and I both know that plants have an electromagnetic pulse in them, right? So sort of all life has this electromagnetic, I don't know if it's a pulse or what, but it's like a frequency, I guess. 
And mm-hmm. what this device does is it translates that electromagnetic output into musical tones. Now, what Tom Wool does is he plays along with those tones and he's actually able to influence the plant's frequencies and sort of how fast it plays or the notes it plays and they play together. And that's the closest thing to human plant communication that I've ever seen because he's actually, it is a conversation. It's not using English. It's not using words, but it's like an emotional language. I mean, at least it seems like that to me. Maybe the plant's not feeling emotions. Maybe it's just something that's happening, but it just goes to prove that all that stuff you hear about plants hating metal music and plants loving, uh, (laughs) you know, plants loving classical music, like maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's more to plants than what we think. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I mean, I have seen studies where they talk about speaking to plants or talking to plants, and they actually did one in the British Isles where they found people from Newcastle with a Geordie accent had the most rate of success. But it's, it huh. turned out that just because they say the most words per minute out of any other accent, right. that, you know, they're naturally breathing more carbon dioxide on the plants, <laughs> so that it can. That, that's all it was. Yeah, uh, they were. That's great. Um, well, anyway. I wouldn't have believed the music of the plants if I hadn't seen him playing with it myself. And it, it is magical. Like it's, that's the closest thing to magic I've seen. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. now. <laughs> so in the second episode I did with him, he goes to California and plays with all the redwoods and that's pretty cool too. So how do you feel podcasts work as a medium for learning and promoting horticulture versus simple social media such as Facebook, TikTok, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, and so on? I think that every format has its own thing. So there's a reason why TikTok exists is because it works for that sort of thing. So I think TikToks are really good for short bursts, getting viral, getting a lot of people seeing your content. I think the only way to get people deep into your content is if they continue to subscribe and keep watching videos. I mean, that's the same as any format, really. Same as LinkedIn. You're not going to get that much traction off of one post. I think it's all about consistency. The thing about a podcast is it's a long form, so you can actually convey a lot of information in one episode. I've had single podcast episodes that have sort of changed my life. Um, not to sound wanky here, but, yeah, sometimes you hear a podcast and it sort of does change the way you think about things. I think YouTube videos are good because you've got the video there. The only problem is that unless you're listening to it as a podcast in the background with the screen off, if you pay for a premium account, you have to actually sit there and watch it. So the good thing about podcasts is that they can be consumed in the background. So you can really listen to them for a lot longer than you can a YouTube video, unless you're treating it as a podcast, like I said. So I used to listen to podcasts all day long when I was on the mower. Um, The only time I take like stop listening to podcasts sometimes I listen to music just as a break but the only time when I'd really take my headphones out would be when I'm sort of sitting in the work and chatting away with my buddy but you know when when we're working the tools are on the machines are on there's so much noise like there's, there's no point and it's not like you're listening to the ambient noise or anything like that like it's a horrible noise <laughs> you have to listen to so you may as well listen to a podcast while you're doing it so that's why I think podcasts are good they're just good for listening to in the background you can consume them for long amounts of time I think one of the weaknesses with the format is that there's no video, so I can't show visuals. Like sometimes I would have loved to have had a diagram there to show people, but that's just not the format. So I put them in the show notes and people can click the links and have a look. Mm, absolutely, yeah. And I think, as you say, sometimes in your at the end of your podcast and the outro, you know, if you're doing a repetitive job, it's it's great to put a podcast on. 
Mm. You know, if I go around and I spend two weeks winter pruning in the dead of December and the freezing cold, it's great to have my woolly hat on and stick an earbud in and just sit and listen away at podcasts whilst I work. I completely agree. And I'm an avid podcast listener, by the way. I don't only listen to gardening podcasts, although I do. Some of my favorites are Roots and All, All the Dirt. I also really like In Defense of Plants, but yeah. I also love stuff like the Hamish and Andy podcast, which is just a comedy podcast. It just makes you feel good when you listen to it. You just can't stop laughing. Um, I like stuff like Broken Record with uh, that producer. I can't remember what his name is. What's his name? He's like one of the greatest producers of all time. Um, Rick Rubin. That's a great oh, podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do I listen to? I like... Um, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Yeah, you know what? People, he gets a bad name. Like, I know what he is. I, I actually like the Joe Rogan podcast. I think he's one of the best in the game, to be honest. He was an inspiration for me. I wouldn't say I listen to every episode. I wouldn't say I have to agree with everything that every guest says on there. I, and I think anyone who thinks that you do have to agree with every guest that's on the Joe Rogan podcast probably doesn't understand the podcast itself. You're probably sitting there listening to other people, what other people think about it, instead of actually just tuning in yourself and listening. Because, I mean... To me, it's just an open-minded platform just to talk absolute S-H-I-T. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's one of the most skilled hosts there is these days. Yeah, so he's able to talk over his guests while making them feel better when he does it, which is incredible. Mm. It's really hard to talk over someone and then f- to raise their mood. Usually if you talk over someone, they drop off and then they sort of get enclosing themselves and turn into their own shell kind of. That's why I don't do it. I try not to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think even just a few minutes ago, I talked over you and I felt that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's it makes it hard with internet lag too, because sometimes you think there's a pause, but it's just the internet's lagging. So, I mean, we can't mm-hmm. be perfect. But that's why I like having the two different tracks as well. So I record through Zencaster. The reason why I do that is that I'll get a, a separate track for you and a separate track for me. So that means if you've talked over me or if I've talked over you, it's just easier to edit it. I can just mute one part you said, mute another part I said, cut out some parts and then stick it all back together. And it's like, we never made a mistake. You can do it sometimes, oh, nice. but not always. Yeah. Sometimes you can't. Oh, that, is, that is so cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So who would be your dream guest to have on the show? If you could pick anyone ever, who who would it be? I asked Dr. Carl Kruslinski in Australia, but he said no. So I hope that my listeners will go and bug him now and tell him to get on the show. <laughs> I think maybe David Attenborough. I mean, obviously, I would love to talk to David Attenborough. Just, I would just love to talk to him. He's just a beautiful person. So, yeah, probably David Attenborough would be one of my all-time favorite people to get on one day. Well, I suppose we had to be quick, hey? He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> not gone long to go. <laughs> <laughs> the yearly migration has begun. That's what me and my wife say whenever <laughs> we go to bed. <laughs> So what is your ultimate aim for the Plants Grow Here podcast? What is it that you think, this is what I ultimately want to do? This is the the dream. The dream. I want Plants Grow Here to be helpful. I just want people to use it because I spent a lot of effort making it and so have a lot of other people. My guests have spent, like a lot of people have spent a lot of effort on this thing. So I just hope it gets used. The fact that people are using it, like to train staff and stuff like that. That's all I ever wanted. I just wanted to get bigger. So I'm at 150,000 downloads total now. I want it to be more people. I want to help more people. But I never want to sacrifice like the depth of being able to 
to help people. So, I mean, I'm not, I can't save anyone's life here, right? This is a gardening podcast. I'm not talking about mental health or spirituality or anything like that. That's going to make a, I don't know where I can say like I'm changing people's lives, but (laughs) I want to like help people, I guess, just in a practical way. Like not so much in the like, oh, you saved my life, but just in a way of like, ah, put, I've been planting trees the wrong way for 13 years. Now I know different. Now I can't stop seeing how everyone else is planting them wrong. That kind of help. Oh, the roots go in the ground, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not only the roots, please, and not the stem. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because you, you, you aim for the intelligent market, not the home gardener market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're up to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, okay, so a selfish goal of mine would be to build a big audience who care about what I say and will, I guess, help support me in my life. So now I've released this job board. So I hope that that will help support me because I didn't really make any money out of this podcast in the last two years. Like I haven't even covered my costs. The sponsors, I think you'll ask me about the sponsors soon. So I'll save that for then. But yeah, really sponsors was never about the money for me. Which is surprising to people because I mean, like, why would you do a sponsorship if you don't have money as the goal? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it kind of brings us on to the next one, which I was going to say is it's the elephant in the room time. I mean, we have talked about it, but what people probably really have tuned in to find out is do podcasts pay at all? You know, what are the financial kickbacks? Are they glistening? Are you ordering the crystal on the daily? Or are you <laughs> scraping together your coins to get your tin of beans? No, podcasts don't make you money. Um, they're a way to build an audience. And then when you have that audience, then you can make money. So there's a very high barrier to entry. Unless you're willing to put in at least one year, for me it's been two years of work, then you're just not going to see any results. Especially, And that's especially true if you launch without an audience. So, I mean, I was just a mower man when I started. It wasn't like I already had an audience from TikTok or any other medium or, you know, I wasn't a host from some big gardening show going out on my own. I was a mower man, so I was a nobody. So I really had to take it slow, and that was what I did. I just took it slow. And from uh, tiny acorns, mighty oaks do grow down. <laughs> One day. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does sponsorship work for the podcast? I see some episodes are sponsored by someone, some aren't. Mm. Is there a set routine? or? No, I don't have a set routine. I've got a few different people I've been talking to. I think with corporations, sometimes it takes a really long time. I'm talking with two corporations right now that I've been talking with them for nine months, trying to get them on the podcast and yes, yes, yes. And then kick the ball a little bit further down. Oh, no, it's winter now. Let's do it in spring. And it, it just takes a long time when you're talking with big companies. So um, sponsorships for me though, were never about making money. It's like, it sounds so funny, doesn't it? Like, why would you get a sponsor on if it's not to make money? But for me as a mower man, I was a nobody and I wanted to get brands on to provide like social, like social proof, I guess you call it Uh social proof just is like, that's like five star reviews and stuff like that, where some like a consumer can see evidence that you've got good stuff based on what other people have done. So I thought if I can get like Reese plumbing and if I can get um Falco's pruners on my podcast well that just makes me look more serious and more real and that's what I wanted to do I want to be brand friendly I don't want to be 
Like I'm not really a anti-brand or anything like that. Like I'm pretty much just like, we all use brands, may as well make it part of the podcast. It's just a normal part of the industry for me. And it is an industry podcast. So I'm not afraid of working with brands. I even work with them for free to start with because I didn't have anything worth paying money for back then. And I wouldn't charge money if I didn't think I could bring value. Now I do charge because I think I can bring value, but still very selective with who I invite on the show. Like I got, uh, you saw it on LinkedIn yesterday. I had a bedsheet company ask me <laughs> if I could think of be my sponsor. No, <laughs> like garden bedding maybe, but not bedsheets, no. And so, you know, at the day when I let bedsheets be a sponsor, you can just, yeah, tell me to give up at that point because it's over. Uh, you could have been sleeping in certain. <laughs> the, and it's so funny because it's. It, I made it sound like a cheap, dodgy brand, but no, this was a very well thought out proposal that he sent me. He talked about how his target market, um, 35 plus women are really into horticulture and um, that's their target market. And so maybe I think we have a lot in common. Um, I didn't think we had a lot in common, but I, it was a fun, like it was a fun little thing because yeah, it did make me chuckle a little bit. So your podcast puts our customers to sleep. Is that what they're saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a brand that, I can't remember what the brand name is, but it's for people who have like sore hands and stuff. So it's in mothers who don't have time. So it's very easy to put on. And honestly, my wife has actually looked at them before. Like I knew the brand. So I was actually flattered to be even considered. I might have a look. I mean, putting the bed sheets on the pain in the arse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's for disabled people too, who like don't have full hand mobility. So. Another thing I believe about sponsors is I don't like disruptive ads. Like, I don't know about you, but I never want to hit that skip button. So anytime someone says, and now a moment from our sponsor, I just hit skip. If there's a jingle at the start of the podcast, I'll just skip through it. I'll never sit there and listen to it. Um, So I wanted to do something called product integrated content. So that's different from a disruptive ad in that the ad is the whole episode. And I wanted to create ads that were just like a normal episode. I wanted to get paid to create an episode that I'd listen to. <laughs> so when it comes to like my sponsored content, it'll be something like forestry, which is a forestry app. It's forestry with spot with a tree at the end of the word. And it's um, an app for urban foresters to, it's a GIS software to map exactly where trees are. And then you can sort of input information about what works need to be done, what works have been completed, how old the tree is. You can just put all this information in and GPS track exactly where that tree is. So it makes it a lot easier to manage large areas of trees. So, you know, like all I did was talk about that app. Like I wanted to know about that app anyway. So I may as well turn it into a sponsored episode because it's free. Otherwise, it's just free publicity for for them. Um, I think, you know, companies may as well pay for the publicity. But if they're going to come on my show, they're going to create an episode worth sharing. If I don't think it's worth sharing, if I don't think someone will listen to that episode and then share it, I don't create it. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing that I hate more than putting on a podcast and there's a shameless plug and you just think, oh, and especially if it's got absolutely nothing to do with the content, as you say. Yeah. Well, on that note, still do check out whorepeople.com, the best horticultural <laughs> job board in the world. Yeah, I um, I wish Hort People had existed during my career earlier on when I was searching for jobs because I could have really done with something like that that wasn't uh, an algorithm that had been created by someone who's just trying to plug jobs and I was getting offered cook and, <laughs> you know, looking after small children in a nursery, you know, wrong kind of nursery yeah. and all sorts of things absolutely unrelated. I mean, the amount of times that you look for a horticulture job and you get offered a handyman or a builder <laughs> or a farmer and you think, no, it's absolutely different disciplines. It's yes. nothing to do with horticulture. 
absolutely. Like I used to get um, aged care worker and dog groomer a lot. And in the end, I just unsubscribe because <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like, come on, man. So, yeah, I, I'm the same as well. Like for, for when I was searching for jobs, that was a hellish experience for me. I hated it. And writing cover letter after cover letter after cover letter for jobs I didn't really want to apply for. Like, because I didn't know the salary. I didn't, you know, like I couldn't find the next step in my career. I felt like all I could do was search for the jobs that I already knew about. So, yeah, I'm hoping that Hort people will help people. It's just putting all the jobs in our industry in one place. And then if the algorithm accidentally sends you the wrong job recommendation, it'll be for something like green infrastructure anyway, something you're probably interested in, even though it's not in your exact field. Mm-hmm. I love the dog groomer. It's like, you know, oh, well, if you can prune a prune a Smoros or Rassus, you can prune a poodle. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No. It's not the same. <laughs> I can prune a poodle in a boxes, but I can't. I can't prune a poodle. <laughs> what would be your ultimate dream as a content creator? Would you move into another medium like YouTube, Netflix? You know, write a book, start up as an author, or would you stick to podcasts? Okay, great question. So the question's about my dream as a content creator. As a content creator, my dream. Okay, yeah. I want my ultimate dream. It's not these. I want a Netflix show. I like that would be so much fun. Yeah, I want to have a YouTube channel. Like that would be so much fun. And I think I could make so much cool stuff that people would want to watch. Um, do I want to start more podcasts? Yes, I do. I want to start all that. Do I want to do I want to write a book? Absolutely I do. Yes. I've got an audience ready to buy it. What's my ultimate dream as a content creator? My ultimate dream is to have a library of things, I think. So it's not just one thing. I want to have like heaps of useful stuff and I want people to use it. That's my ultimate dream is for people to use the things I make. Um, mm-hmm. And for it to like, it sounds so wanky, man. I don't want to say make a difference, but I mean, like, why else would I do it? Of course I want to make a difference. I want people to like what I do. I want people to benefit from it i want to change their lives man like honestly i do it sounds so wanky to say it out loud but that's what i want i want to do that that's my ultimate dream i absolutely can pretty much sympathize almost exactly down the same line me too you know uh, you know you can cut this out the podcast but you know my ultimate dream as a as a content creator if i was to go down as i say was to create a garden based sitcom because throughout my whole life i've always found sitcoms to be that kind of comfort blanket and that sort of entertainment I'm always drawn to. And I'd love to do that in a way that would draw people into horticulture and show a different side of horticulture and, you know, get more people involved and especially young people. And I totally agree with you on that, on that front. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I want money, but that's not really the main (laughs) thing for me. Like for me, success looks like, being useful (laughs) not saying that i don't want money of course i do i want money but i would never do so i would never want to live in a life where i was doing something i didn't believe in and then making money from it i'll take this i'll take the salary sacrifice and be happy and live with a free conscience if i can make money i want it to be doing something that is useful to people and then i'll feel like i've actually earned it well no successful philanthropist aims to make money you know people who are successful philanthropists end up with money because they've got such a strong ethic towards their goal. Mm-hmm. That's a very good way so. to put it. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was a complicated way. My brain was cranking all the little loops <laughs> and cries to try and think of that explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I think people do make money like selfishly. Um, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be involved with people like that either. I want to be involved with people like you who really believe in our industry and believe in the people. And I mean, yeah, if I wasn't doing this, I don't know what I'd be doing. I didn't see a way forward. So I don't, I don't know what my future would look like. Yeah. And as I said to you earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing qualifications in paper format and academic format at the moment for that same reason. I feel like I'm kind of hit the wall in terms of career progression. So it seems to be like the only way I can push on and, and forward is by getting better academic qualifications. I've always managed to wing it so far mm. up to the, to the role I'm in, you know, just through pure experience. But now I've got to this point and it's, you know, I'm starting to find um, uh, like we've got, we've got people who are joining our organization at the minute and you know there's people who are applying to be first gardeners you know a lower grade than me who've got like uh post honors diplomas and Mm. you know they've got their honors degree in horticulture and on paper they're way better qualified than i am and you're just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yep um so i don't know maybe it's yeah, I, I think it depends. You know, in Scotland, the job market for horticulture tends to be less competitive. Okay. Um, in England, it's pretty competitive. You know, England have got a lot of gardens and they've got a lot of gardeners and they've got some really fantastic gardens. So in England, it's quite a tight competitive industry. But in Scotland, it's a little bit more chill. You know, it's almost like in Scotland, everyone knows everyone. <laughs> yep. You know, it, you're only like a couple of people away from someone that knows you. Yeah, so. I gotcha. I don't think it's mm. really like that in Australia, but I I mean, certainly not in any scenes that I've been in. I mean, yes, we have our fancy gardens and stuff like that. I'm sure that's a whole scene in itself. If I was still in maintenance and looking at it a different way, I think I would have loved to have known about green infrastructure. That's where I'd want to go in. So, um, I just didn't even know that was an option. So I'm hoping the job board can actually show people things that they hadn't heard of or seen as well before. So, you know, it's not just helping you find the jobs you already know about. I want to show you things that you've never heard of. So, I mean, if I was still in maintenance, I'd want to try a new field. I just wouldn't know where because I wouldn't be getting into management. I wouldn't be getting into tenders. I wouldn't be owning my own business. I'd probably be scaling a wall somewhere in a harness, watering plants in a green vertical wall on a skyscraper or doing something like that, I think. Something, something, <laughs> yeah, so just something different, you know. Like I, I think after 10 years I'd want to try something completely different and just kind of go a bit crazy with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for anyone who's already tuned into episode 117, they might know the answer for this. But uh, what is next for you, Dan? What, where, what are you up to now? Yeah, so, I mean, the by the time this episode goes out, Hort People will be live. So we're recording this Thursday, 18th of August, the couple of days before our job board goes live. So that's my passion, man. I want to help businesses find workers and I want to find workers find the right job. Um, You know, I want to help their industry. I don't think we get paid enough. I want to help with that. I can't do that overnight. I can't make employers pay people more. It's a very complex system behind that. But I'm hoping that with mandatory salary offerings, if my job board becomes the horticulture industry job board, 
um, having those mandatory job offerings on the website, I think will help us raise our pay. Now that's going to mean that clients have to pay more in the long run. And it's about time that they did. I mean, it's different for you because you're in public gardens, but for me, I'm just a domestic maintenance gardener and done a bit of council and done a bit of uh, commercial as well. But yeah, the, the rates for, um, some of these jobs are too low. So uh, I think there's a good future in horticulture. If you want to get into horticulture from the bottom, you might have to take a lower pay cut. And that's probably nothing new to most people because a lot of people do already have these wages in like lots of industries, right? So whether it's just um, construction laboring, not construction trade, but I don't know if they make a whole lot of money all the time. I haven't really looked into that, but I certainly know that people in retail people in hospitality, those sorts of things. Like I've done those jobs. We live on minimum wage, man. Like you may as well go outside and work in the sun rather than be in an office and work minimum wage. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, say, I, th- I think the wage is too low uh, over the entire field. It doesn't matter what you're in. Um, it does depend really. You know, I've, I've worked for the council before, which is taxpayers' money. Uh, I've worked for a charity organization, which again is funded through memberships and things like that. I've worked in private service where it's from the person's very own bank account. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've worked for, you know, a short stint on someone sounds similar to yourself where it's kind of going around clients, you know, builders, uh, yards and things like that Mm. and taking care of new, new built house lots. Um, And it's a very different experience for all of them. And it's different pay for all of them. Mm-hmm. But regardless of which one it is, it's still not enough over the board. Yeah, I want to see even um, people in management and stuff like that, like let's raise the wages across the board, like you said. It's not just for the for the beginning workers or anything like that. Like as a person with a diploma of horticulture, I wish I was paid more. But at the same time, man, I'm not going back to sales. You can't drive me back to sales. <laughs> I can't, you can't drive me back to printer sales, man. Like best choice I ever made was joining horticulture. Give me the pay cut because I'm happy. Like mm-hmm. I think that's that's one thing that I think shouldn't stop people from entering our industry is that, you know, we, we probably don't have as good of a pay as other other industries. But I don't know an industry that'll pay you well coming straight off the street unless it's in sales. That's the only industry I know that'll actually pay you properly. And I can tell you it's not for everyone. Yeah, I mean I, I throughout my experience in, in my career I've dealt with a lot of career changers. So I tended to find people who go into horticulture. There seems to be quite a trend of late 40-somethings, 50-somethings who've had a career in a higher paying field, as you say, like sales, like admin, like a lawyer, like working for an oil company or something like that, where they've done a job they didn't really like, but they've paid off the mortgage on the house now. So now they've got a bit of cash and they want to do something they actually enjoy for the rest of their mm. day. So they switch into horticulture, knowing they'll enjoy it, even if the wages suck. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But the wages shouldn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's a it's a problem. We've got to solve it. And I think we've got to call it for what it is. I don't think we should just pretend like it's not there. I think we need to address the elephant in the room. Well, this is the thing that always gets me, you know, um, absolutely no diss on them, you know, because they're very skilled people too. But someone like a, a Sparky, you know, an electrician, mm-hmm. he'll come out and charge you 50 quid an hour to deal with your electrics in your house. And if you come in and you deal with, you know, a dangerous tree or something like that and taking that down and away safely, 
Um, and you try to charge them fifty pound an hour, they'd be like, "What? That's a rip off." Yeah, it's it's so unfair, isn't it? Like um, plumbers are the same here, like Sparky's plumbers, carpenters. It's all the same. Um, yeah, I don't know why we don't get respected the same as any other trade. I think it's maybe it's because we're not regulated like the other trades. Like you can't just wake up one morning and decide to be a Sparky. <laughs> You're going to do your apprenticeship, whereas someone <laughs> can wake up this morning and just say, I'm a gardener now and, and be competitive on the same rates as someone like me or you who's been in it for more than a decade. Yeah, I mean, we do have some bodies here. So um, like on LinkedIn, I've got MCI Hort, and that means I'm a member of the Chartered Institute mm. of Horticulture. And they've got quite stringent standards on how to become a member. So, you know, it goes from student to associate to member to chartered. And I'm, I'm aiming towards becoming chartered at some point. But even to become a member, you need at least a decade of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also require paper qualifications as well. So it's quite hard. But, you know, I think there is bodies out there. The RHS is another one that actually aim to, you know, give you a certification so if you've got those letters people can have confidence but then the problem is if, if i go to anyone outside of horticulture and go oh yeah i'm inside hort they'll go what does that mean <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> yeah if i try and set up my own gardening business and then go around to some you know ethel's garden yeah 75 year old i'll go yeah i'm mci hort and she'll go yeah and what <laughs> can you rake the leaves please yeah <laughs> <laughs> You want to yeah, come how much? Tea, how much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not more than five pound an hour, are you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the sad thing is, it's because they think that they know what they're talking about. Whereas, what I want to see, the change that I'd like to see happen, is that people hire gardeners because it's a skilled person, not because that they just need someone to do what they can't be bothered to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's why I I, I had a short stint running a gardening business myself and I gave up on that because all my clients were basically people who were too lazy to cut their own grass mm. and you know I'd show up with the mower and they'd go oh and they'd run outside with dog poo bags and <laughs> you know these you know turd strewing lawns that I had to then go and cut with my mower and put back in my <laughs> own car and stuff yeah and forever running back and forth to the tip and it's like yeah I was no longer doing skilled gardening work like I do now I was basically cutting grass and weeding for people who couldn't be bothered. And I thought, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. And it's not fun as well when the client's like, oh, can you just prune this tree? It's too big. And you're like, man, this is the first time this tree has been pruned. You want me to hedge prune it? Like, and you try and tell them, (laughs) no, you don't want to do that. (laughs) Like, what do you mean? That's too big. And then like, you have to, sometimes you just have to do what the client wants, even though, you know, it's horticulturally incorrect and that's not good for you. Yeah, I literally had a gig once, um, like I said, looking after new built houses and it was houses that had been sold. They were like tough luck. They're no longer under contract, but the houses that hadn't been sold yet got their grass cut and you sprayed the paths. And what you had to do was, you know, they put in a new weenie panel fence and what you had to do was cut it absolutely flush with the top of the fence. It didn't matter what it was in there. And it was the wrong thing to do for most of the plants, but you just went cut it flat flush with the top of the hedge yep. it looked neat and that was how the house builder wanted it to be and you just think yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah and, and it's like you know for someone like me i was studying i was listening to podcasts i was learning all this stuff and i felt like i was getting further and further and further away from um, the sort of work that i was doing 
But at the same time, like I got to teach my workmates a lot of stuff, so they're better off now. Now that they know, you know, the three cut system, um, you know, to stop branches ripping as they go down, because some people didn't even know that. Um, yeah. And then so yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay, so can't believe I get to ask you this final question, Dan. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about? Oh, I should have thought about this. I want the listeners to know that there's a future in horticulture for you. So don't be disheartened by the low pay. Um, you can find a better paying job today if you've got the experience. You can find a better job paying job in the future. Um, I don't want you to give up on our industry just because there's low paying wages today. Like I know a lot of smart people that are doing things about this. I think it will change in the future. And I think we are the mental health industry. So if you struggle with mental health, I think this is a really good place for you, whether or not you struggle with mental health. I mean, maybe you just want to be happy. Maybe you don't struggle with mental health at all, but you just want to be outside in the sunshine, listening to the birds and being happy. Um, Like with anything in life, we just have to make a decision about where we sacrifice. Do we sacrifice the payment? Do we sacrifice um happiness do we sacrifice well like what are we going to sacrifice because you can't sacrifice nothing that's not how life works um i think everybody should be in horticulture i mean of course i would say that but um i'm trying to make a job board that makes it easier for people to get in for their first horticulture job with the new to the industry section on hortpeople.com i also want to make it easier for people who are already in our industry to find the next step in your journey I've got 42 plus categories. It'll be more categories by the time this episode comes out. And I create them with like trying to think about how I would want to search for jobs when I create that, that those categories. So I think that there are some really exciting ones in there. Like I said, so there's green infrastructure, there's horticulture therapy, there is landscape contractors. So if you've got like a landscape maintenance business and you want to land a big fish, just put, um, your photo portfolio and a so-called resume up in the subcontract section. Um, Cause I've worked secondhand. Like I've been right-hand man to a guy who ran a business and he won two big subcontract clients and doubled his workforce. So I know how good it can be for people. And he sold that business. And the only reason why he made a profit was because of those two subcontract clients. Like they were awesome. They were so good for him. Um, so I want to help other people find those opportunities too. So yeah, whorepeople.com, check it out. Love our industry. Get involved. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Say hello to someone. Say hello to a gardener. Join your industry associations and subscribe to the Plants Grow Here podcast. Excellent, Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for whorepeople.com launching. Um, that's coming out on the 21st of August. Is that correct? That's correct. This Sunday. So by the time this episode goes out, it'll have been up for a few weeks. Oh, excellent. Cool. So, yeah, I think it's so needed in our industry and I really hope that it brings a global connectivity to horticulture that isn't there just now. And I cannot under, I cannot underplay just how much it's needed. And I really hope that it takes off for you because of the, of, I know all the hard work you've put in and how much you've put on the line for this. So mm. I truly hope that it, it works out for you, man. Thanks, man. Like, I think in Australia we're taught to be like, no, nah, no, nah, it wasn't that hard. No, nah, it was hard, man. <laughs> like, um, and I've taken a risk too. Like I do have like sitting here the Thursday before I release it, 
probably have quite a bit of anxiety in my body, like, will this work? Will it not? I really want this to work, not just for me. Um, I mean, of course I want it to work for me, but I also want it to work for the industry because if this one doesn't work, something's going to have to happen and it'll probably be a big multinational corporation that makes it. Now I've got it out there. Like everyone's seen this idea now. So someone can just come and steal this idea and if they've got more money to market it, I mean, I'm in trouble. So please use this job board. Please share it. Our industry needs this, I think. So, yeah, please share it. That's a very good point. Yeah, I never considered it from that from that perspective. Yeah, if if your sort of organic root level lovely idea gets hoovered up by some horrible <laughs> conglomerate, <laughs> then yeah, it's it's damaging to the industry, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Thank you for that, Dan. That was a really really interesting episode, and it's been an absolute pleasure to host. It's been genuinely very flattering and i've enjoyed it so much i would love to come back on any time that you'll have me yep no nah, we'll get it sorted again soon it'll be fun cheers mate okay cheers and thank you to all the listeners who've tuned in well done for staying right to the end enjoy the rest of your day if you're an employer you can check out pricing on hortpeople.com now and you can even test a single job ad for free for seven days Please keep in mind, pricing on the packages is subject to change without notice. If you're someone looking for a new job opportunity, whether you're a seasoned pro or you've never touched a trowel in your life, you can upload a resume completely for free. Why not make employers chase you? Head to hortpeople.com now. There's a link in the show notes.